you give more than you take and you're willing to be behind the person instead of in front of the person. And, and I like leading that way. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Labby, Chief People Officer at TopTel. At some point recently, you've probably opened, signed, or emailed someone a PDF. If so, you used Adobe software. Maybe you're a designer and you're among the 90% of creative professionals who rely on Photoshop. Perhaps you edit video with Premiere Pro or manage customer journeys with Experience Cloud. If so, you use Adobe software. There's almost no one in the professional world that Adobe doesn't touch. Adobe was founded in 1982 and has evolved to be one of the world's leading tech companies. It now employs over 26,000 people at 66 locations around the world. Over the years, they have picked up numerous accolades for being a standout employer. Adobe is regularly listed among the best places to work and is considered a top employer when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. My guest today is one of the people responsible for fostering Adobe's highly regarded culture. Brian Miller joined the company 10 months ago as Chief Talent Diversity and Inclusion Officer. Prior to that, he was the Chief People Officer at Impossible Foods, and before that, he spent almost a decade in progressive talent development roles at Gilead Sciences. He holds a Master's of Education from Harvard University, and he used to teach middle school math. I'm so excited to talk to him today. Welcome, Brian. Hello, Michelle. Hello. Everyone seems to have a different path to human resources. I started crazy in political science. You started out as a middle school math teacher, which I think is a very unique path that you got to be an HR professional. So what drew you to teaching and how did it shape you as a people leader? I was actually, there's a, there's a fun story. I kind of fell into teaching. I really wanted to be a professional athlete, believe it or not. Coming out of University of Pacific, really wanted to play pro ball, figured out that I was just not good enough to play professional ball, not big enough. That's kind of a, a, a realism that I had to sit with. And I said, well, what am I going to do next? And as I was thinking it through, I said, well, you know what? You know, it'd be nice to teach for a bit and then think about grad school. I had a fondness for my graduate work was in economics and econometrics was my emphasis. So math. Uh, my mom is a, is a CPA accountant. So I was doing ledgers. She has a fun story about me doing ledgers when I was a child and helping her find the, you know, the one cent off in something. She says, addition, it's just subtraction. We can do it. So this math part of me was something that I just enjoyed. Had an opportunity to teach fifth through eighth grade math and when I did it, I just fell in love with it. The students, the fun you can have in a classroom, the idea of, of seeing the possible in someone, seeing the best in them, even when they can't see it in themselves, that's what got me really excited every day, just to show up and go, boy, we're going to tackle you know, the Pythagoras theorem today. That's going to be fun. We're going to figure it out. So that was my draw. Uh, and it's something I still take away today. It's this idea that if you can help someone reach their full potential, then that's a good thing. 
Well, so you have your master's in teaching from Harvard. What's the most important concept that you learned that applies to your work today? My teaching advisor is Professor Martha Stone Weiske. And I came to Harvard and at Harvard, you write a lot. I mean, you, you're doing about 20 page papers, three to four of them a week. Um, and wow. it's known for a research institution. So I'm coming to Harvard and I think I can write really well. I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to use all the great words too, by the way. I'm going to use like big words like pedagogy and andragogy and, you know, constructivism, any isms. I'm going to use these things and, and really <laughs> write a very great paper. So my first paper I submitted to Professor Stone Weiske, it came back with all these red marks. And it, it really freaked me out. I'm like, wait a minute, this is my first paper at Harvard and it's all red. So she calls me into her office and the first thing she said to me was, never fall in love with your writing. And it was probably the best thing I took away from Harvard. It can always get better. You can always improve. And that sticks with me today. It, it really does. That's a moment that I carry with me through my corporate life, through my teaching life that you can always get better. You can always make something better. So you spent 13 years in biotech companies and then moved to Impossible Foods. I know their Whopper pretty well. And then last year you joined Adobe. Can you tell me about what their work and mission led you to choose Adobe? Yeah, Adobe, I truly believe is a special technology company. Amongst all the technology companies there is just something special about Adobe. There is this unwavering belief that great ideas can come from anywhere. That is true, though. It's not just a statement. It really anchors the culture that just unleashes your ability to do the best every day. That is what drew me in. It was this really people-centered, we really want you to thrive. Creativity is at our anchor and at our core. And we really want you to bring tremendous ideas here so we can you know, drive innovation. That to me was just an immediate draw. It's often, I often say that you know, Adobe is a technology with a deep soul that really wants to do the right thing. It's just, it's something I wanted to be a part of. And they've been around. Everyone knows Adobe. Oh, going on 40 years. And you have a rather unique role there since you oversee DE&I and talent, were those two roles merged before you got there? Or is this a, you know, what was the benefit of that? Yeah, it's a fairly new merger for Adobe. And the, and the benefit is to create a through line and a powerful ability to anchor ourselves in both what it needs or what we need to be when it comes to being inclusive, which I think is a behavior um, and it's grounded in behavior as well as how do we help people learn and grow. So there's the other part of talent. And I would also add to that is how do you do it in a way in which you don't see it as a program, but just the way we show up every day. That to me, I think, is the aspiration of bringing the functions together. It starts to create a, a different mindset. It's not a mindset of let's how many programs can we create? It's a mindset of how do we really create unifying moments as well as inclusive and nimble moments that help us succeed, that help Adobe reaches its full potential. You know, it's the idea of, well, if we talk about leadership, can we talk about inclusive leadership? If we talk about talent, can we talk about it in a way in which we immediately understand how to see bias and block bias? So you have now a much more connected experience that you're trying to really bring alive. 
Adobe also has a, um, a chief people officer, Gloria Chen. So how do you two work together in that capacity? Gloria is that true thought partner. I mean, her ability to help shape the thinking or shape ideas because of her long tenure at Adobe. She is a tremendous strategist. She's driven a lot of change. So our relationship um, is grounded in helping me see around corners, providing insight, um, helping to shape, you know, here's an idea, you know, Gloria, I love you to help me shape it. And she does that, you know, putting me in the right places to succeed um, is something that I think we do really well together. So what have been your, you know, what was your mission when you came on? What was your top priorities? Or everyone's like, what are you going to do in the first 90 days? So uh, one was to continue to hire the best. So then part of my first 90 days was let's continue that momentum. The other one was how do we really embed evidence-based decision-making when it comes to diversity and inclusion? So what is, you know, how do we really do that in a strong way? And the last one was, can we deliver on this idea of unifying moments as we, as we run towards a hybrid environment? There are other things that we're trying to put underneath that. And I would say that's leadership development, sort of those really foundational anchors that it will go underneath that. So how do we create this deeply felt accountability within leaders would be another anchor to help us drive those three as well. Are you remote? Are you hybrid? Are you testing? We're, I think it's the last one. We're, we're testing. We, we're, we're, we're moving towards the hybrid. We're testing. We're trying to go into the offices and figuring out our days right now. And then with the pandemic going up and down, I think that's the, the right place, at least for, our, for Adobe. You know, how, Let's test this out. How many days can we come in and start to get it and build a rhythm around that? I mean, we've been, Adobe, we've been very clear that we're, we're still hiring. The Adobe story is one in which you turn from talent acquisition to talent attraction. And we have, a, I think, a very attractive story. Great culture, innovative products, stability, scale. I mean, and those are the things that you want to be a part of. I would also say we're declaring that we want to be the best place to learn and grow. So we will invest in you. You come to Adobe and we're going to invest and try to help you get better every single day. So I I read in an article or you were quoted in a Forbes article that said Adobe is a place where good ideas can come from anywhere. One of our cultural values is revealing and challenging. So we want to hear people speak up and say things and challenge you. Um, But what does that philosophy look like at Adobe? That sounds like one of the attractions that you're just talking about. Here's one example. Our internship uh, program, so our our internship and grad program is, is an amazing program. Um, It truly is. It's, 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 we're going to doubling the size of interns this year. But here's what's amazing. Our interns affected 60% of our patents. And to me, there's where those good ideas can come from anywhere. When you have interns being part of 60% of patents at Adobe, that sends a very strong message that we're willing to listen. We want to listen. To your point, speak up. We want to hear the diversity of thought. We say in the, in the talent diversity and inclusion team, we want to have that noisy debate. We really do. So that, that should give you an example of, you know, taking those words and having a strong commitment behind them. Right. It sounds like at Adobe, there's several initiatives going on, including recent partnerships with HBCUs and HSIs and the Equity and Advancement Initiative. Can you tell me about these a little bit and why you chose to focus your efforts there? 
Yeah, the the HBCU and HSI initiatives, um, and they're they're basically the initiative is a one million dollar grant per school. And I would say this: it's a very intentional um, approach to HBCUs and HSIs. And I'll give you an example: Winston Salem State is an HBCU with a very strong creative focused curriculum. So that really enables us as an Adobe and sort of really driving the creator economy to form a very strong relationship. On the other end, Bowie State is much more of a technical arm. Once again, it, you know, our relationship with Bowie State is also very good from the Adobe platform and how we run analytics. So that's the way we started to really think about our partnerships with HBCUs and HSIs is how can we be more intentional uh, and provide grants that really help the school drive overall vision, the value that they really want to drive. The other programs that we have, which was the equity initiative program, I think you mentioned as well. That one is, is also, I think, very unique. You know, it's, it's a $20 million investment over, I believe, about 11 NGOs, uh, nonprofits that are intentionally tied to our employee network. So this is where this one becomes also a very unique approach. It could have been easily decoupled. And we have these foundations that we're investing in. And, you know, we really want to drive a ecosystem outside of Adobe that really matters. But to intentionally tie them to our employee networks gives us an ability to see outside of Adobe. And I also say create an ecosystem where we're much more proactive. So we're not always on the back foot of social justice events or initiatives with this connection to these NGOs outside of Adobe. We can actually go, oh, go. So voter rights are starting to really come up. Okay, let's really reach out to our NGO on on voter rights and and better understand it. So both programs to me are, are, are very well thought through and give us an ability to one, reach back and help students see something differently. And the other one to be more proactive and try to stay in front of things so we are able to better shape them. Great. I think I have this number right, that in your first 90 days, you and your team hired 6,000 people. Yes. How, how did your team not burn out? Like what, how, how are you ever keeping everybody motivated? That was a push. And it was those 6,000 were a little bit longer than the three months. It was probably over the, the six months or so as we read. Well, it was about three months towards the end of the year. We ended up hiring about 8,000 people last year. And what's amazing about that, that, that alone is a, a very strong, I think, push in our hiring motion. And, and how, that, how we do it as a team are two things. One, being very creative about how we do what I call bulk hiring or high volume hiring. Um, and to make that work, we just got to have the fundamentals really, really strong. So the fundamentals of, okay, let's make sure our interviewing process is very tight. Let's make sure that, you know, managers are leaning in and, and, and scheduling interviews and we're not having reschedules for candidate experience. At the same time, what is the technology we need to use to augment um, our hiring. So whether it's our CRM technology to help us sourcing, really thinking different about sourcing, um, as well as how do we start moving into more AI, um, that all helps us scale. But at the end of the day, I think for us at Adobe, it's it's being wedded to making sure we get to the right people, the, the best talent out there, and then moving very quickly when we know that and getting them quickly into the company is something that I think we're getting better and better at. And it also starts with upfront planning. We're really starting to kind of 
lower altitude and get more into is let's make sure our upfront planning is also solid. Let's talk a little bit about retention, since that's also a, a big topic these days. How are you focused on, you know, retaining talent and how are you in Involving your managers or training your managers since 70% of the people leave their jobs if they don't have a great manager? The way I put it, Michelle, is you know, every employee deserves a great manager. And I think that's something we just got to live up to is every employee deserves a great manager. And to do that, there's something I think that's, that's very cool is our check-in process. Check-in being a conversation between employees and managers that happen more than once a year. And right now we're having a quarterly sort of rhythm at this time. So at least four times a year. We've put in a technology though that is that enables us to easily capture those conversations. At the same time, the check-in process uh, has a capability of what we call this sort of a career wheel. So as you, I'll give you an example. If you were to log in, you would get your check-in feedback. Let's say you, you had your manager conversation about not only your goals, but your career development, where you want to grow, this career wheel will actually tell you, you would look, you would, it would click on it and would tell you people like you, you know, have experienced these types of jobs within Adobe. That also is, I think, another unique way of, I think, stabilizing retention because, you know, for us at Adobe, it is this belief that we should be the best place to learn and grow. And in doing that, people will stay. They will at least choose. They will say, I, I choose Adobe because I want to invest in my career. I want to grow. But I think that will be an anchor for us as we think more and more about retention. How do we grow people, managers? How do we have these conversations ongoing around performance and development? Employees, how do you really navigate Adobe? you know, and make sure you're getting the opportunities and experiences that you really want and need. So is this kind of a new performance management system that you're doing? Or is this a new process that you've changed? Check-in has been with Adobe for a few years. We've we've called it Check-in 2.0 because I think we've now put a muscle, a technology muscle behind it so we can get better data. Uh, the quality of the check-in, the frequency of the check-in, and then we can create a, what I call a surround of, okay, how do we then continue to get better at it? So I wouldn't call it overly new. I think this technology approach that we're taking is new. As far as performance management, yeah, I think it starts to go in that direction of how do you create a high-performance culture? What well, starts with conversations, and it starts with what I call the anatomy of an expectation. How do you really set expectations that are accountable. Now, this is the fun part about accountability. Often we think of accountability is about blame. It's about, well, you're accountable. No, you are accountable. And accountability to me is just a scaffold for agreeing to a change. That's what accountability, it holds us both responsible to the change we want to see in each other or going forward. That's a mindset for us that will help us drive a new way of thinking about performance management. We know like today the workforce is made up of four generations. So what challenges and benefits do you find come along with that? The challenges are we need to make sure we stay patient. I think the other challenges is remaining curious. Boy, I think, you know, together there are great things that can be done because all of those generations have a point of view that can only be helpful, that will be helpful. So once again, it goes back to creating moments that bring us together versus moments that separate us. 
in a world in which a lot of us have been isolated through the pandemic, that to me will be the shift because I think there is a comfort level of, of now kind of being isolated. How do we turn that and say, but there's also a comfort level for us coming together. Um, so to me, that will be the benefit. When we find that, hey, together, when we come together, we also do great things and we, we have an opportunity to make a difference for this company, for each other. That to me will be the benefit of bringing these generations back together as well. Uh, have you hired anybody that you used to teach? Has anybody said, hey, you are my math teacher. I'm applying for a job. Not yet, though. I have students who are at Google. That's a great question. I have students that are Google. Um, but no, I don't think I have any at Adobe. At least you know where they are. So they're keeping in touch. This has been an amazing conversation. I also would love to know almost one final question is, what has been your proudest moment as a leader? Proudest moment as a leader. It's that moment that you see a team take a very big step together. It's, it's a moment that I get most proud of when I see teams do great things, when they start to really trust each other. When you see this, this stamina in them, you'll see a curiosity. I think you also, what I've seen is an affection for one another. They truly have each other's back. That has been my proudest moment. And I just feel amazing about that. My, my hashtag is great teams do great things. It's like a proud parent moment. It is. It is because you know, I'm, that is a leader. You, you give more than you take um, and you're willing to be behind the person instead of in front of the person. And, and I like leading that way. Brian Miller, Chief Talent Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Adobe. Thank you so much for your time and insights. This has been a really fun conversation. So I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Michelle. I truly enjoyed the conversation as well. Really did. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Michelle Lavi. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptel.com slash insights. Hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.